I don't look back on anything in the past and think of it as the golden years because my golden years are like right now. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 94. We're getting a little close to 100. Very close. (laughs) We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with a woman named Reagan, and it is a beautiful story. She is a 58-year-old... telephone entertainer i believe she she calls herself and has a really cool story yeah her her full description of what she is uh atheist polyamorous kinky liberal sex worker and we might say legal sex worker yes so it's a it's an awesome story beautiful story like emma said and it is it is very heartwarming so we hope you will get as much out of it as we did as always uh, one quick note, she uses a lot of names, and we wanted everybody to know that all of these names are pseudonyms, so she's not giving away anybody's identity, although I can imagine at least one of them wouldn't mind because he got lots of compliments. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on, Stay tuned. T- on to a few announcements. Yep, got to get to our announcements first. Uh, we'll keep it quick. Even though Emma always lies. and I never say, I never promise quick. Anyway. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want a little bit more of Finn and I talking, I guess, um, outside of our podcast, we've been on some recent podcasts, other podcasts recently. And the, what? No, I just got a little tongue tied. I missed it up a little bit. A little bit, but you're good. <laughs> Keep rolling. <laughs> I'm not redoing it. So the first one is called Swinging Outside the Lines, and that's with Adam and Belle. They did a fun Halloween series and or episode, and Finn and I called in and sent them, I guess we didn't call in, we sent them a recording of a story for their Halloween episode. One of our horror stories. Yeah. So, so that's that's a fun listen. Go have a, a listen to that one. And then the other one we've been on recently is called Discomfortable, and this is one by a guy named AJ who has an amazing podcast, a lot uh, surrounding shame, and we talk about non-monogamy with him. So this is a conversation that you get to know a little bit more about us, so if you're curious, go check that one out. Links will be in our show notes. Absolutely. Also, he has a really cool podcast, so check out the other episodes as well. Very much so. Andy's a badass dude himself. We met him at the World Domination Summit uh, last or this past June. So that should give you the type, uh, the the idea of what type of kick-ass dude he is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, other ways you can get a hold of us or maybe spend more time with us if this intro is not long enough for you. Uh, we're doing our monthly Patreon Q&A calls. Wednesday, November 20th is the next one at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and again, 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, For more information on that and all of the other benefits you can get, check out the links on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Yes, and 
Another cool thing that we got to do was we are currently driving across the country. We're relocating to California for a little while. Literally going from northeast Maine to southwest California. That is true. And last night we got to meet up with a really cool person named Courtney. And he has a podcast. And his partner. And his partner, yes. I don't need to leave his partner out of it at all. Um, but he has a podcast called Something Positive for Positive People. Yeah, we just wanted we just wanted to mention that because we're we're partnering with him to do some content um, that we have mentioned the the piece we're doing with Catherine. We'll mention that again in a minute here, but Basically, we're doing a piece with him about uh, STIs and and all that kind of stuff, and it's going to be out probably the beginning of the year, but we wanted to just do a shout out to him because the the work he's doing and the content he's creating is super kick-ass. So if you can, go support him, listen to what he's got to say, and he's also a registered 501c3, so throw him some donation money and reduce your tax bill. Yes. So super cool work from him. And again, all of these podcasts that we've listed here now over this intro are going to be links on our show notes under this episode. So go check those out on our website. You don't have to remember all the names of them right now. Um, One last quick thing we uh, strive for. Actually, it's not our last quick thing. Sorry. But it is uh, <laughs> it is a quick thing. We, we always try to be transparent about everything. And one of the things is the STD check website so you can save ten dollars if you use our links and you've heard us say that a hundred times before but we've uh, recently discovered if you're a repeat customer you can actually save ten percent off and if you are a couple and you call in and ask they will actually give you each either ten percent off or fifteen dollars off depending we've heard mixed Um, we tried it and they told us ten percent and we heard somebody else got $15. So anyway, you could potentially save a couple extra bucks. I will say the caveat here is they don't allow you to stack the $10 off uh, for using our link with the like the repeat customer discount or the couple discount. And so what that means is that we don't get the affiliate credit for it, but we wanted to make everybody aware that if you if it's an extra $10 is what you need to, to save to make testing more accessible to you, please go do that. If you're willing and able to use the links and save just the standard $10 and you want to support the show, please do that too. We, we want it to be accessible to you, but also just to understand that it does really support the show and we love you long time. Yes. Um, also we had some friends of ours that tried out the free STD services that we have linked on our website. They're only in certain cities in the U S but, uh, we, they had a great experience with the caveat that that took them a little bit of time to get their results. So just plan ahead a little bit. If you need your results within a certain time, um, they just said to be aware of that. It could take a couple weeks to get their results. Um, other than that, super smooth service from my understanding and the last thing um, and we'll we'll keep this super quick so we can get to this damn interview (laughs) yeah last thing we wanted to mention you've heard us mention the last couple shows we are doing a collaboration with Catherine, who was on episode 57 and we're going to be talking about 
how ways to bring up non-monogamy with your partner. So what we need from you, call in to our show, leave us a voicemail. If you go to the contact us page on our website, there's a big button that says, leave us a voicemail. Just click that and do that. You don't need to leave your phone number. You don't need to tell us your names. You can be anonymous if you would like. Yes. And also, and maybe there's a branding issue here. We're not going to like uh, analyze you and talk about why everything you did was wrong or it's just well, we didn't the, tell them what we need yet oh what we need is that for you to call in and tell us how you brought it up to your partner or how, how, or how your partner brought it how up it to brought you. it up to you whether you totally fucked it up or whether it went well how it created a safe space for you and what you learned from it so that would be amazing we're going to talk about it with Catherine and give strategies and ideas for how people can do this we won't um, completely tear you apart. Don't worry about that. We're just going to talk, have a conversation and hopefully put some helpful information out there. Yeah, and give, give tools for other people. Yeah, so. and the quick caveat too, if you are if you do call in, we will be using your voice on the air. I just want to be super transparent about that. But please, it would be awesome if we got a few calls. Now, thank you for listening, if you're still listening, and let's go... And also, thank you for supporting the show. If you do any of the things that we just mentioned, we're eternally grateful and we're super excited to have you as part of the team. Yes. Thank you so much. And now let's go talk to Reagan. Welcome, Reagan. We're super excited to have you here. And we met you in person, I guess, in at Atlanta Poly Weekend a few months ago now. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Good super... to see you both. Hi, I'm yeah. Hi. <laughs> You can verify we exist in real life. They do. They really exist. They have faces and everything, and they're cute. (laughs) We try our best. I didn't shower today. I have a little bit of a wing in my hair. Well, you know, bedhead's sexy on your fan. Keep it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that bodes well for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you again for for reaching out to to come on the show. We're excited to have you, as, as Emma said. Do you... Do you mind telling everybody a little bit about who who is Reagan? Oh, good Lord. Um, I am a lifelong poly person. So I have a very, very strong interest in normalizing non-monogamy. This is why I find your podcast so exciting. Um, I, I think that I'm just made that way. I've never had a monogamous instinct I've been unintentionally monogamous a couple of times. It was like an accident. Like, oh my goodness, I was I was just monogamous for two years. How did that happen? Um, but I, I'm a big believer in destigmatizing all of the things that you know the mainstream labels as you know sketchy, edgy, deviant, wrong. Right. Because there's very very little that I think of as being truly wrong I mean yeah there's some things that you shouldn't do but um it's sex it's just sex yeah yep and the 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 more people talk about it in a in a wholesome right fun fashion I think the better it is for everybody yeah so I I have that uh to offer and I'm also a um telephone entertainer I'm a, a phone sex worker so that's another way of pursuing non-monogamy that I feel really needs to be uh, exposed because, I mean, chase. 
why is sex work still even illegal, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I, that's a whole different topic. But yes, <laughs> we, we agree 100%. Phone sex is legal, but um, so many other types of sex work aren't. And I, I think it's crazy that we as a society are so threatened by just simple sexuality that we would make something like that a criminal act, please. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Well, so, oh, I was going to say, backing up a little bit. So you said you've kind of been this way your whole life. So there wasn't a, a point, you know, in adolescence where you were trying to figure out monogamy versus non-monogamy and different relationship styles, or was it just always felt natural to you to have multiple partners? I, I had some really painful conflicts when I was an adolescent because I, I found myself several times in a situation where I would have to make a choice because society says you can only love one person. You can only give your heart to one person. And uh, I believed it at the time. And I, I had to make some really painful uh, choices that it, it was quite traumatic, you know, mm-hmm. when your heart is attached to someone to have to deliberately choose to cut them off, you know? Um, so I started questioning that fairly young. And um, then when I was 19, I met the love of my life. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and one of the first things he said to me when we were dating, I was a virgin. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, I don't want you to wake up someday and realize that you're 40 years old and I'm the only man you've ever been with. I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's wow, a, that, that was, yeah, yeah, especially that was um, good of him to think of that in at that age. It was. It was. Well, you know, he was a little more experienced in the world. He was 28. Uh-huh. And uh, for the next 21 years, we were together and it was awesome. It was great. Yeah. I, I lost him to heart disease. Oh, well, we're sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it lived you, long enough and these things happen. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Very well, true. And, doesn't make them any easier, though. No. no, no. And but you two did explore non-monogamy then through various means. Was it oh, poly yeah. or was it just a little bit of everything? I was probably close to um, 40 before I actually heard the term polyamory. No, no. 30, closer to 30 before I heard that as, as a thing. And I said immediately, oh, there's a word for me. Yay! <laughs> but um, we, when we started, we, you know, we dabbled in all of the, the typical directions people take their non-monogamy, playing with friends, um, going to swing clubs. Mm-hmm. Now, back then, before the internet, if you wanted to meet other people who were into swing, you had to uh, go buy a magazine Mm -hmm. published ads. So I can remember several times when we would, you know, go buy a magazine and read the ads together. And and we met people a few times, but I never really warmed to the swing lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Especially the clubs. Um, In the eighties, it was very, very different than it is today. That was a very uh, male dominated and the women were treated like, chattel, you know, like negotiating chips. 
And I found that really offensive. Yeah, I would too. um, But there wasn't anything else. You know, you go to a club with your guy, other guys strike up conversations with him, you know, because you're his property. Yeah. 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 I, I, I didn't like, I didn't like that. And I didn't like how entitled a lot of the other men felt. So we, we steered away from swing pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just went to, you know, having the relationships that just naturally developed as we lived our lives. Right. And and if some of those were more just sexual, that was okay. And if some of them oh, were yeah. deeper, yeah. that was okay, right? Then yeah, you... some of them were just sexual. But some of them were very, very strong bonds, you know, durable. Mm-hmm. Um, they became part of our extended family. Again, I had never heard the word polycule, you right. know, at the time. So and and I don't I don't think metamore had even been invented yet. Although compersion was there, compersion was there. But um, yeah, as I discovered all of these words for concepts that I already had, it was very comforting to know that there were other people in the world who were like me enough that a word had to be invented for it. Yay! Right. And your partner felt the same way along this whole thing, right? Like you you were both doing this because you both wanted to, not one for another. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he, was a lifelong adventurer and didn't see any reason not to continue to live an adventurous life. And part of that adventure is uh, interacting with the people that you meet along the way. Yep. Yeah. We, we can relate to that, that mindset. Uh, I, I was curious though, when, when he brought this up to you at the age of 19, I guess, how did you react? Because it sounded like you said you had started to question it a little bit, Yeah. but then to have somebody presented to you as like an actual thing that you can do, yeah. how did how did that go? Well, it, it pricked up my ears. That's for certain. And I remember to you know every tiny detail the day that it happened. We were at. Do you remember that uh, restaurant chain that was drummed out of business because they had a horrible name? Sambo's it was a pancake house. <laughs> no, I, I that one might be before our time. <laughs> Um, we were at a Sambo's drinking black coffee. I started drinking black coffee because he drank. At 19, that's pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, he drinks black coffee. Well, I have to drink black coffee too because I'm sophisticated. (laughs) Meanwhile, this, you can just like, you're just like, oh, this tastes terrible, but I'm going to drink it anyway because prove that I can. This day, I still drink black coffee, not because I like it, but because it's a part of him. Right. Yeah. Part of me. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, he brought it up over coffee. And I remember thinking, okay, you know, well, well, what am I going to do with that? That sounds complicated. Do I trust him? Do I trust myself? Are we going to deal with each other in a way that makes this workable? Sounds like a great idea, but skepticism. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only time he ever mentioned it. And uh, I just, you know, let it percolate in my brain for a while. And when I had convinced myself that it wasn't the road to disaster, I said, yeah, cool, you're right. Yes, that's, that's the way we should be. And ha- I guess how long did that take? And like, what was, what was your process of doing that? Because I know there's a lot of people who they'll bring it up to their partners and they're, 
they don't know how to let their partner figure that out for themselves. And their partner might not even know how to figure that out, yeah. right? That, that how to work through that internally. I know it was a, a little while ago, but. I, oh yeah. Jesus. That was a long time ago. Well, just, and I realized we never, do you mind sharing your approximate age now? Cause we keep talking about time frames, but we never shared that piece. Okay. Well, by the time this airs, I'm going to be 58. Yay! Yay! Okay, awesome. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great age. Well, happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so how did that work? For me, when I would take on additional partners, there was almost always some impulse to love involved, right? Someone that I had strong, warm feelings with, someone that I could trust, someone who uh, aroused sexual response in mm-hmm. me. And so what I really had to do to test this is I kind of had to wait till I found someone who picked at those little parts of me, you know, that made me think, oh, I could love this person. Oh, I don't really want to live without this person. Oh, this person's kind of hot. Maybe we shouldn't have a little fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this all was going on, of course, at the same time that we were exploring the swing community and 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 all of that. So it's it's not like we were entirely monogamous even then. Right. It probably took about a year before I uh, chose a partner. You know, before I felt certain enough in myself and my ability to handle, you know, such complicated right emotions. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I pursued it carefully because even though he seemed like he was, you know, okay with everything, our relationship was so important to me that I didn't want to jeopardize it just by doing something that was fun in the moment, you know? Right. Of course, yeah. And was there was there concern that it was going to be jeopardized even if if you didn't do anything because he was exploring this as well? Was that ever a concern? You got to remember, he was about nine years older than me, so he had a lot less to explore than I did. He would meet people. He would go on dates. Sometimes he would bring them home. Um, like any poly couple. You go through a period where you learn what your relationship rules are going to be. Of course, yeah. Everyone, every couple has, or every triad, or every any entity have their own rules, and you, you don't know what those are going to be at first. I mean, you think you do, but mm-hmm. um, the reality always illustrates that you didn't know what you were thinking about it at the time. <laughs> so yeah, it, it took us. Um, uh, a, a couple of years to be really comfortable, you know, that we understood all of our relationship rules. And as young as I was, um, I did have to go through learning to deal with jealousy. Mm-hmm. Always a hard thing for people to acquire, you know, even, even if you're naturally wired to have a multi-chambered heart, you know, little rooms for all of your people in your heart. You still have to learn how to recognize and deal with your own jealousy and how to um, support a partners so that they don't suffer in their jealousy. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's hard when you're young. Oh, yeah. And even, 
yeah, so even when you're not young, it can be hard just sorting through those feelings and, yeah. and, and yeah, learning how to cope. Exactly. Yeah. What are, what were some of the things that you, you found along the way to be helpful? And are these still things that you're, you struggle with, you know, today, 40 years later ish? I don't know that I have any struggles right now in my relationships. And of course I, I hear myself as soon as I say that, I say, ah, jinxing it (laughs) (laughs) uh you know but i've been at this a while and uh i i think i've i've got it down and all of my partners are also very experienced poly people and uh you know they they're marvelous people and their partners are marvelous people and you know it's it's i've been very lucky i've been very lucky so right now i don't i don't think i have too many struggles every now and then I run into difficulty within my relationships because I don't know what I want. You know, and we always think we know what we want until we get it and go, oh, no, no, that's not what I thought that was going to be. I want something different. Yeah. So there have been, there've been some challenges, mostly centered around really trying to understand myself, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it's always been important to me to try and be equitable to my partners. Uh, and every now and then that stresses me because I, I, I let myself feel pressured because I have all these people to take care of. And uh, that's, that's just personal growth I need to do. Right. You know? yeah. well, when, you, when you say equitable, are you, you're referring to like, if I spend two days a week with this person, I should spend two days a week with that one and two days a week with that one? or Yeah. I mean, that's tempting to think that that's equitable, isn't it? It's easy. Right. Week up into pieces and pass them out. But um, everyone has different needs, you know? I have needs as myself, and I have needs that are met by each partner Mm -hmm. that I don't really share with the others because, you know, that's how we bonded. And depending on how big those things are in my life, uh, that kind of dictates how much of that other person I need. And it works the other way. There are people who get things from me that uh, I try and be aware of how I'm meeting their needs. And if I'm not, no, they get more time. Yeah. And And more of your energy. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's difference between needs and wants. We all want things. But if you can identify something that someone truly needs, you know, uh, you you be mindful of it. And you know if you're not giving them an equitable, there's that word again, portion, you know, of what you can provide for their needs. Sure. And you know if you are. Sometimes you're giving all you can and it's still not enough. That's why we're poly they're free to find another partner to pick up the rest of that need. Yes. You know, so I don't have to be everything they need when it comes to going to science fiction films or international traveling or discussing politics or, you know, whatever yeah. part of ourselves that we, that we feed and fuel with other people. 
So have you ever had to go and find one of your partners a partner just to <laughs> fill in the, to fill in the voids that you're not willing to do anymore? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, it seems like a natural thing to try and do. I, I'm not thinking of any examples right off the top of my head. <laughs> Like, I found you a good political go on dates and talk about politics, buddy. So that's <laughs> yeah. what you're doing. That's what you're doing tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> oh, actually, actually. And I'm going to cop to this right now. There's a, a, a gentleman that we were we were dating um, for years, um, Dave. And we we stopped being boyfriend and girlfriend because he was moving in a direction with his life that wasn't something that I was looking for. Um, but we're still connected, you know, he's still family to me, Yeah, right, right. even though, you know, he's not a partner. He's yeah. still a friend. He's still someone I love. Yeah. We have sex every now and then, but you know, we just don't have that formal agreement mm-hmm. for each other, except that we are, ah, you know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> um, when I stopped seeing him inevitably when girlfriends of mine, um, would express to me. Now I just, I really could use some casual sex in my life. I mean, I, I really need that someone who's good in bed that I can trust and that we can walk away from it. And I said, well, you need to give Dave a call. Okay. <laughs> you obviously, <laughs> you need to give Dave a call. He already thinks you're cute. So this is going to be great. Yeah. Look him up. And, um, I think like three of my girlfriends have ended up dating him from time, from time to time. So maybe, yes, maybe that's what I was doing, finding partners for my partner. So you're Dave's pimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, he's a great guy and he's got a lot of love. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you were just looking to help your friends too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can be crass, can't we? <laughs> sure. Sometimes you just need good dick. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> very true. And and he's good dick, really good dick. Well, I'm, in addition I'm to all the wonderful things he also is, you know. Yes. Well, I'm, you know that that kind of brings up a, a point of like it sounds like you figured out how to stick the dismount of a relationship where you're you're not dating but you're still friends and you're referring people to him and like how how did you come to garner those skills of like breaking up and not destroying every last shred of okay that is very easily expressed and harder to do in practice but it all comes down to realizing number one i don't own these people they do not belong to me yeah they're sharing their lives with me as a gift to me and you know i'm i'm grateful for that. So thinking that I can dictate, you know, how their life is going to be apart from me, that's just dumb. They're, I don't own them. They are, they're not me. Um, second, you just remind yourself, you loved that person enough at one point to marry them, to be their partner, to do whatever it is that you did. You grow apart or you realize that you haven't formed the right relationship with who you are to each other, you you pull it apart and you form the relationship that is right because, you know, you love them enough to form that bond. 
it stands to reason you probably love them enough to keep it. You just have to be willing to do what it takes to, um, you know, make it work. Mm-hmm. Or to shift it to what it should be. Like you said, if it wasn't exactly what it it was meant to be, you have to allow it to be that and not yeah. force it into something else. Yeah. I um, My second husband, who I was involved with um, when when we lost my late husband, that was very traumatic for both of us. But um, Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, we survived um, the loss of him because we had each other. And so it was natural for us to see each other as, you know, a significant partner in life. And we ended up getting married and it was okay, but it, it turned out not to be the best relationship for us to be in. And he, he was smart enough to figure it out before I was, I, I, I kept, you know, wanting to hang on to that safety net, you know, of the person who saved me, you know, in the face of this terrible loss, you know, but he saw that we needed to be something different than married and um, once we got a little distance, which is critical, you have to be apart from someone or you can't heal whatever it is you had to cut, you know, to, to pull you apart. And then you just look for ways that you fit back together again. You know, it's mm-hmm. um, like I said, it sounds simple, but it takes a lot of conscious effort and reminding yourself, I love this person and they're worth it. I don't own this person. Right. I can't have any feelings about the choices they make for themselves that have nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get feelings, you acknowledge them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like you and, and admitting that relationships do change too. And that yeah. well, okay. relationships will change. That's the right. only thing that you can say for sure. Right. About any relationship you're in is that, you know, given enough time, it will change. But who knows how? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got a, another question, which is yeah. convenient since that's the whole point of the show. Um, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> just, I'm, just, I'm falling apart. I'm falling apart. Oh my God, is he blushing? That's so I cute. Know, I know. All right. Oh. <laughs> so so I'm I'm curious then like you've you've experienced polyamory uh you know in your 20s and in your 30s and your 40s and in your 50s Yeah. How how have you seen those different times of your life like be within poly like are looking back are you like well the golden years were the 30s and the you know I don't know what what how do you see those different how has it shifted over time? I, I don't look back on anything in the past and think of it as the golden years because my golden years are like right now. Okay. <laughs> that's a great that's attitude. That's perfect. That's, that's excellent to hear. I, I'm, I'm the most me I've ever been in my life. You know, in six months from now, I'll be the most me I ever could have been, you know, because I'm living this life and every day I learn things and, you know, there are ups, there are downs, there are things you learn that hurt. There are things that you learn that bring you a great deal of joy. But if I had to contrast the twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties to the ease with which I developed relationships and the reward that I derived from those relationships, I, I do it a lot better in my fifties than I did in my twenties. 
you know? In, in what sense? When, when you're young, you're unfinished. You're still exposing yourself for the first time to a lot of really complicated and, and difficult things. And until you have the life experience to, to, to put handles on those things, they just kind of slip around. They get away from you a little bit. And if you're, if you're living your life well, successfully, I, I hesitate to say right, um, you're going to learn from your traumas and mistakes and things that, you know, hurt or frighten you. Uh, I mean, why waste a good trauma? You better have a takeaway, right? Or what did you do that for, you know? Yeah, that's a valid, very so, good point. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm more comfortable within myself. I think I'm more uh, generous and less grasping is, is a bad word, but I don't know what else to say. With my partners, you know, I can be more happily hands-off with them because I'm secure about who I am and secure about the place I have in their life and secure about who we are to each other. And, uh, I mean, some people get to that quicker in life. Mm -hmm. Um, in ways I, I was a late bloomer (laughs) and in ways I was a very early bloomer. So I guess like every human being, um, I, I've had a unique and individual life. Yeah. And experiences are all your own, but you've been, yeah, changing as you go, just just like all of us. We all do the same things. Uh, right. We learn about them in, in different order, and we have different degrees of success in how we deal with them. But yeah, there's nothing new, not in people, not in relationships. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious, and and I know this is like kind of unfair to ask you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. Oh, good. Um, do you think so? So you're saying, well, I I. I'm doing it better now in my fifties than I did in my twenties. Yeah. So if somebody was looking to start exploring this and they're 55, do you think it would be fair to them for them to think like, well, she's doing it better in her fifties because she's done it for 30 years. Yes. Or do you think it's, it's still not too late for somebody in their, in their fifties to give it a try if they've never tried it before. I don't think it's ever too late to address change within yourself. Mm -hmm. It all depends on how open you are to, to understanding who you are and what you want and how willing you are to do the work to change. Mm -hmm. Just as a very, very general rule, older people have more skills. Mm -hmm. We have more life experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that's not necessarily true. Like I say, it's a very general rule. So a, a 55 year old may or may not have an easier time adapting to a huge change like that than a 20 year old would. Uh, if nothing else, they have the benefit of life experience to, um, cushion their experience of the roller coaster. Right. Right. And, and, and then a, a, a note to the 20 and 30 year olds, like that doesn't mean don't start now. Right. Because that's oh. how you, that's how you start building those experiences and, yes. and figuring it out. And, and everyone's experience is going to differ, right? you you could <laughs> knock it out of the park when you're 20. And it sounds like you did for a lot of the time. Well, on some things, like I said, <laughs> in other ways, I was a real late blower, but again, that's what people are like. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, the best advice that I could give to the 20 something set is your greatest success is going to lie 
and understanding who you really are and what you really want. Yeah. Right. And sometimes you're lying to yourself about what that is. So the process of, of learning to really ask yourself the hard questions, you know, it's, um, it takes a little practice. But well, yeah, the, the 20-something said, if they're monogamous, if they're poly, if they're anything at all, as long as they're following what's right for them and feeds what they truly need, they're going to be happy and eventually really successful with those skills. Right. Right. Well, and to be open that that might change too, and that that's okay. Like if you yeah. try something because you want it at the moment, that moment, but then in the future you don't want that anymore, that's okay. Yeah. I think that's that's something that is hard to sometimes remind yourself of. I I need fewer people, and by that I don't mean I need I need fewer individuals. I need less total input from other people in my life to be happy. I guess we become a little more self-sufficient as we get older. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope right. so anyway. Not in every way am I more self-sufficient, but I'm, I'm noticing that I don't have the great need to have lots of people around me that I trust and that I love and that I feel loved by. Right. right. I still need that, but I'm happier with less of it than I needed when I was younger. And maybe that's going to be generally true for folks too. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And like eating, you know, uh, I, I, I have the, I have the senior menu at ITOP at 5 PM and I'm in bed by like 8 PM. <laughs> Not that that's true about me, but that's a real typical thing you see about people as they age, they change, they eat less, they go to bed earlier, they get up earlier. It's nothing they plan. They just happens that way. Right. And I think relationships are the same. 50-year marriages survived to 50 years because people recognize the change in themselves and each other and they adapt to it. Right. Right, and they don't try to force it to be the same people they were when they were 20 or 25. Or, or I'm 20. glad I am not the same person I was when I was 20 and 25. <laughs> you know, I, I, I liked who I was then, but damned if there were some important things I just didn't get, you know? <laughs> sometimes it just takes life to learn all those things yeah yeah yeah. have you been pretty open with your family and friends I guess throughout your life about your relationship style that's an interesting question um probably with everyone except my immediate blood relatives isn't that odd um the the last job that I had that required I go into an office I had four partners at the time and I had pictures of all four of them in my office, you know, and it, it wasn't a big deal. Most of the people understood, Oh, Reagan's dating all of those people. Hmm. I even brought a few of them to company Christmas parties. You know, mm-hmm. it just, it, it didn't make sense for me to not be who I was, but uh, I had a very conservative upbringing. My parents and my siblings are still very steadfast in their political conservatism and their religious conservatism. And for me to be entirely and unabashedly myself with my folks, I think would hurt them. It would cause them more pain than it gave me relief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that it's appropriate for me to, to grind the fam's face into the, oh, yes, I'm an 
atheist, polyamorous, kinky, liberal sex worker, you know? <laughs> and I have been for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, but actually probably for all the time that you've known me, except the sex worker part. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, it's interesting on the flip side of that, when you think about coming out to people and, and this is not in any way like trying to convince you to do it, but it, it would be an interesting conversation, right? Because they can be like, Oh my, you know, I can't believe this, but you're like, you you've loved me and been with me for 35 years yeah and i have been this person that whole time longer, so yeah. so why are you yeah. recoiling now but yeah. that's not to say they wouldn't it's just crazy to me that you could learn something about somebody that's been true for so long and yeah. you've been their friend or their family for that whole time and then you find this thing out and then that's the thing that and it's like well what it didn't matter when you didn't know, and I was the same person. That's just crazy. Yeah, I draw the line with things that some people will perceive as evil. Yeah. Now, I, I perceive very little as evil, and this isn't a political podcast, so I'm not going to get into the things <laughs> that are happening in this country right now that I consider truly evil. But um, Yeah, we could. that would be a whole other podcast. Yeah, whole other podcast. <laughs> That's a spinoff show. Yeah, but but for people with with certain types of religious background, um, sex outside of marriage is evil. It's wrong. It's a sin. Yeah, I personally don't see it that way. Not for myself. Not for anyone. But for people that that's central to who they are. Yeah, I I, I just I don't want to say. Well, I think you're wrong, and here are all the things that I've done <laughs> right. that you would disapprove of for the last fifty years. Yep. No, that's yes. fair. But yeah. everyone else, you know, employers, friends, new people that I meet, I'm just me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And has your family ever questioned you on any on anything? In the ways that they can. Yeah. You know, when when I lost my first husband, it was really difficult for everyone involved. You know, it just devastated me completely. And I went home to the state where my family lives and stayed with them for a few weeks. And it was just so hard for everyone. And uh, husband number two was pretty much already there, you know. And they didn't really understand where this person that I was so bonded from could have come to from out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 That's but they didn't, they didn't give me any grief about it, you know. Yeah. They just accepted, okay, there's something here that we don't, we don't understand and we'll just accept it and trust her that she's taking care of herself. Yeah. You know, the, my family has a gift for letting me be me and I'm really grateful for that. Really, really grateful for that. And yet I still feel like I need to protect them from a lot of the details of it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's, you know, that's the relationship that seems to work for all of you. So. Yeah. If, if that works, then why, yeah. like you said, it might burden them. It might cause them more pain than it would, you know, you. I took Dave home with me to visit the fam. Uh-huh. Road trip with me. And, uh, oh, they all loved him. And seriously, for years, it was like, are you still seeing that nice man, Dave? <laughs> and you're like the the one who has real good dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing that he his, he gets all of the exposure that he can possibly handle. Yeah, he's great. 
<laughs> so I, I guess I don't partition myself, you know, in my to them unconventional way of living. I don't partition myself entirely away from them, but I just, I just don't think it would be right to, to grind them into it either because it would make them unhappy. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. And that's, that's something that I learned from husband number two. It saves a lot of time in life when you are always you. Mm-hmm. I used to be one of those people. I had the mask that I wore for work, and the mask that I wore for the family back home, and the mask that I wore with my close friends, and the masks that I wore at the Kinky Dungeon Club, you know, uh, tailored personalities to suit each thing. But that's crazy, and it's exhausting. I was going to say, it's exhausting, too. Yeah. yeah. So with husband number two, he illustrated graphically and immediately that he was always himself, he was completely transparent. He, when he met new people, he just presented everything. And some of them freaked out. And he says, well, good. I just saved us a bunch of time. Yeah. You know, save them time. Save me time. Yeah. Yeah, that's not an easy way to, I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's a very good way to do it. Because like you said, you start to filter people out of your life. Yeah. Who, who aren't truly there because they like you. They like who you were pretending to be. Yeah. But it's not easy to do, and it's it's scary. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it, it, it took some practice, but I'm really grateful that I learned that lesson from him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So now, I guess, we've talked a lot about your past, and, and you say you have multiple partners now. Um, mm-hmm. Is that, I guess, what kind of what is your relationship dynamic these days? Um, I have my partner, James that I've been with for probably about 12 years, as near as we can figure out. We're both kind of like soft on the year it all started because we've known each other forever. Yeah. But he and his wife, Lee, have just moved to the West Coast. So that's a bit of a heartbreak. I'm, I'm learning how to deal with myself without James and Lee, you know? Because... Yeah. James and Lee were part of who I am, who I saw myself as being. And, you know, I love them both a great deal. And their cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And having those that, that stable yeah. presence yeah. in your life for a long time. So I, I'm, I'm grieving that a little bit. but And I know we're all still connected. And I know that I will see them. It's just not going to be as easy as it was when they just lived the next town over. Right. Right. And then... Uh, uh, John and Libby, who also work, who also live the next town over. Uh, John and I were trying to figure out the other day. Uh, we we think it's about ten years. It could be nine, but we think it's ten. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I adore him and his wife. We're all really good friends. Uh, I adore their daughters. Oh my God, they have done the best job of raising little human beings. Of any people that I've ever known in my life, these these girls are astonishing little humans. Yeah. You know, they're better people than me. I just I'm in love with them. They're they're really terrific. But um, so again, they're one town over. And then there's there's Dave, who I'm not really seeing, but you know, he's in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How could I live without him? You know, and uh, he's probably got more partners than I'm aware of. But I do know uh, uh, Sal and Jane, and like I said, he's probably seen other people. And again, I have relationships, Sal and Jane. 
they're terrific ladies. And uh, um, I know, I think Sal has other partners, but I don't know if Jane does or not. Anyway, <laughs> then there is the, probably the most challenging partnership I've had in my life. We're not any of the three of us really tightly connected right now, but the ties are still there. Mm-hmm. You know, the three of us didn't work out the way we had hoped. And it caused a lot of emotional difficulty for all three of us. And, and when I left to come back here to Atlanta, they also went their own separate ways from each other. And it's, it's been, it's been hard. Uh, I still love them both. Don't think I could live with either of them ever again. You know, I, I still wear their ring, but I don't know. Um, so this was this was a relationship you had with a. It sounds like another couple after um, your second marriage. Yeah. Yeah. After my second marriage broke up. Right. Right. Yeah. My second marriage only lasted about five years, and then we took another two or three years to get around to getting divorced. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Takes time. Yeah, we got divorced because he needed to get married to his fiance. So I was like, oh, I guess we need to get divorced. But um, yeah, it was a great idea. It was really worth trying, you know, to move in with an established family, to co-parent their kids, to, to walk away from a life that wasn't at that moment working for me in Atlanta. And, um, we were just facing more challenges than any of us realized. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not disconnected from any of them, but you know, I'm not, really connected to them either right sounds it's, like there's transition it's, it's still a work in progress it's right years you know and we're all still sorting it out right right it sounds like it's yeah it's in the middle of all of the transition and redefining the relationship yeah. that works for all of you yeah yeah it's human you know yeah. and you never had any kids of your own right? never did yeah never I, did but it sounds like you've been involved in a, in a lot of other raising of children. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, not only do I have uh, uh, four kids of my partners. Wait a minute. Five kids of my partners. Five kids of my partners. Um, but I have a lot of close friends that have also made me a godmother yeah. to their kids. So uh, it's like... Auntie Reagan has something like eight God kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever win the lottery, I have so many college funds that I need to to set up. <laughs> and I love it. That's a great problem to have, you know? Yeah. That is. I, but yeah, all sounds like you have a lot of love in your life. Which is I do. I do. And um never for a minute have I thought of myself as anything other than lucky. Mm-hmm. Right. As, as, as challenging and painful as some things in my life have been, they don't outweigh all the good. They don't outweigh the, the incredible bounty, you know, that I've been able to share in because my heart and my life were open to other people. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it any other way. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, no, that's inspiring to hear. I think, and I think it's reassuring to people to hear that even though, you know, it's going to be challenging along the way. The The benefits on the other end of it are far greater than the challenges that you've, you've yeah. endured. Yeah, they do. I, I'm i right now looking at 60. Not in the 60s yet, but looking at it. 
I'm wrestling for the first time in my life with the certainty that I will be spending the rest of my life alone, which I know sounds weird. I'm one of the least alone people I know. But by alone, I mean living in a household without a partner. Yeah. You know, I, I can't see that changing. And I have to kind of think about, well, what does that look like? What is that like to be a truly single person, which is not something I have a lot of experience with. So um, uh, that that's one of the things that I've been chewing on. That's my next stage of, of personal growth, I think. Yeah. Learning how to be my own good partner. Yeah. And take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's about damn time. I'm almost 60. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, that's something that a lot of, I mean, a lot of people probably face as they get older too. You know, your relationships change. You may separate or lose somebody. And well, that's what I was going to say is it's actually probably you're more prepared for it, I would guess, than somebody who has been married for 30 or 40 years and, and their spouse you know, passes away or something happens and, and I, I overnight. Yeah. 20 years together and letting him go was hard enough. I cannot imagine what it must be like, say for my mom who, uh, who lost my dad on their 55th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. wow. You know, that's I, the enormity of that. I can't even wrap my head around. Right. Well, and, and you're, you're preparing for this phase of, I'm, I've got to think about the fact that I may live alone the rest of my life. And a lot of people aren't preparing for that. And it just, it happens overnight. And all of a sudden there's nobody else there. And that's, that's. Well, I found, I do better at things that I see coming. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I, I try and, you know, look ahead a little bit. Uh, Cause getting blindsided by reality is oh it sucks being blindsided by reality sucks yes so, it does <laughs> yeah so you know I try as as I'm able we're not always able to look into the future and see what I need to start getting ready for that's that's the thing I'm like I said chewing on right now right it could take me another year a couple of years before I'm done turning that one over and over and over in my mind yeah right. and that's okay as yeah. long as you know that that's yeah it's a process right yeah yeah. Time to change subjects. Well, I have a question. I, I, yeah, if it's okay, I was because I'm fascinated by your line of work at the moment. And ah. we, we talked we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but I guess can you do you mind sharing with people like how how did you get into the phone sex business and and like what what was the inspiration behind that and like how how is it? As, the first time I did this. I was like 40 plus and I had just been downsized out of a corporate job and I needed to replace kind of a substantial income quickly. And there was a, uh, uh, a classified advertisement in the newspaper. Anyone remember newspapers? Yeah. yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> There's this little classified ad that says, get paid to talk to nice guys all over the country. And, you know, I showed that to husband number two and I said, does this mean what I think this means? He goes, yeah. I said, yeah, I'm going to give him a call because I can do this to get paid to flirt. Yeah, sure. And uh, I worked in a call center for that company for a year. And uh, um, 
that's when we made the decision to leave the town that we'd lived in uh, with my late husband and move up here to Atlanta. So I, I left Bone Sex from a call center uh, when that transition. sounds sexy. I can't imagine those call centers are just amazingly sexy environments. Oh, it's horrible. It's, <laughs> it's the worst kind of awkward, you know? If you're trying to spin out a very intimate narrative with someone, you're trying to make a little magic and captivate them. You just can't do that in a room full of a bunch of other people, some of whom don't know how to control their volume right. and bleed over to everyone else's calls. And um, yeah, that was, that's not as much fun. That and, and a lot of the women who turn up for jobs like that, they don't approach it as, um, as a serious challenge or as an art form or anything like that. It's just an easy way to make money yeah. for a short time. Right, right. Um, you know, but I never saw it that way. Just because if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. I want to do it very well. I want to be the best person I know at this yeah. thing. Uh, when, when I'd been in Atlanta for a while and I realized that I did not want to work corporate jobs anymore ever for any reason. Oh my God. No. I started doing a lot of voice acting gigs. i narrated some books for audible and, um, it seemed a good adjunct, you know, to being a self-employed voice actor, uh, to go full-time back into phone sex again. Yeah. You know, it had been 15 years since right. I worked at the call center, but I figured how different can it be? You know, the, the human sexual psyche is pretty much unchanged for millennia. <laughs> I, I, I got this. And um, it's much better working from home. It's much better working as an independent operator. If I get a call from someone that I just don't have the time for, I can hang up on them. You can't do that at a call center. You have to talk to any idiot that gets put through to your phone. Huh. Even if, you know, they're horrible, reprehensible human beings. Yeah. And as an independent, I can say to them, wow, you're really a shitty human being. Click. Huh? <laughs> that just feels really good. I was going to say that must be, yeah, freeing yeah. in the sense because you're yeah. like, I don't need this. <laughs> I don't do that often. I do that very rarely because it's more satisfying to just keep them on the phone as long as possible and take all their money. Yeah, I was going to say, you milk them for everything they've got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, I, I don't, I don't do that very much either because I'm not unsympathetic to anyone's sexual identity or sexual reality. There's a lot of people out there that are, um, they're lost in their otherness and they feel like they're alone. Right. You know, I'm the only person in the world who thinks and feels this way and wants this thing. And of course that's not true. Sure. Um, and in, in talking to these people, not only can I give them a broader perspective about how alone they are not, um, but I can deal with their kinks and their fantasies and their fetishes with some kind of respect. And uh, it can be an exchange that's really gratifying for everybody because yeah. they, they have someone who accepts that what they really want to do is dress up in stockings and a guard belt and high-heeled shoes and get an over-the-knee spanking with a hairbrush, you know, 
real specific details. And um, I can assure them that truly, yeah, you know, I know lots of people just like you, lots and lots of people. Yeah. Well, you you can, you can, and be honest and role play that with them. um, Yeah. Yeah. And and be an actress, basically. I position myself on nightflirt.com as a storyteller. I write my listings in such a way that people who are looking for a prurient experience will think my listings are so dull, they will never click that call button. So the people who end up calling me are people who, you know, read the entire thing and who find the things that I have to say charming or funny or reassuring or whatever. So I end up getting a really specific class of clientele. And these are all people that I like, you know, because, I don't know, I guess we share the same intellectual values. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It's, and it's fa- it's just fascinating, like, to hear about it. So I, I appreciate it. And, yeah, yeah I think it's uh, a really good outlet for people if they're, I mean, yeah, I think, and it sounds like you found, like you said early on, that it's another way for you to explore, you know, your sexuality and the poly and yeah. non-monogamy side of things. and. Yeah. It's just, it's another outlet for you. And I think well, that's... I, I find that more often than not, I, I kind of step into teacher shoes. Someone calls me and says, blah, 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 this is true. I should leave her, right? I go, oh, why would you say that? I mean, you really love her. You like the relationship. Then I don't think you, you need to make a, you know, an end of the road thing just because X, Y, or Z happened. Let's talk about it. I mean, how bad can it really be? You know? And so, people are just looking for someone to talk to you a lot of times. Like, yeah. doesn't... I, I spend a lot of time normalizing non-monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say we... <laughs> Sounds like you're part, part-time therapist, part-time yes. sex, sex work. I mean, that it's... is inescapable. If you're a telephone sex operator, you are a therapist to some degree. Yeah. Just just in because you are someone on the to talk to about anything. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people, they listen to you talk. They like the way you talk. They find you personable or reassuring. Then trust develops. They trust you. And they tell you things that they don't tell any other person in the world. Right, yeah, because you're an anonymous outlet for them. Yeah, and as as long as you receive that with respect and, and deal with it, you know, uh, with a genuine attitude of, okay, let's see what kind of fun we can have with this. Yeah. I, I, I have callers that I've been talking to for four or five years, you know, regulars that I developed forever ago that I still hear from. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's because it's so collaborative for me. Yeah. 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 Well, any, I guess also anybody that is like listening to this and being inspired to start a side hustle, <laughs> do you recommend, you, you mentioned Night Flirt is the company you use. Do you, do you recommend it? I mean, obviously you use it. Uh, there, there are a lot of companies out there. At the time that I went with Night Flirt, they had the best deal as far as the best um, resources available to operators. And they took the smallest cut of my okay. revenue, of any of the others. That may or may not still be true, but, you know, I, I'm doing well at Night Flirt. I like it. They provide all the marketing for the site. They um, 
provide an anonymous connection for the callers and for the operators, and they do all the credit card processing. So uh, that's easily worth 30% of, of my revenue. Yeah. Things right. I don't have to do myself. Right, right. 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 That piece of it from you. There's a, a lot of safety and security and having that anonymity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Very That's true. Fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. Well, I, we appreciate you talking, taking a minute to talk about it. And you're not, you're not being paid to talk about it. We're not being paid to talk about it. It was just something that I find fascinating and and awesome that you're you're doing and have been doing for you know four or five years. So you're one of the few people who have not specifically asked me, "Have you ever had a?" That's that's the big thing. Well, oh, yeah, I'm sure because that's yeah. what people want to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's fun. I mean, um, I tell strangers that I meet for the first time that I do this. Uh, I tell the bank when I apply for a loan that I do this. I mean, it's, it's part of that transparency thing again. Um, but almost everyone responds with a cool, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it isn't stigmatized like it used to be. And yeah. I'm grateful for that. And I think right. that's appropriate. I don't think it should be stigmatized. Right. No, I totally agree. I'm very happy to hear that that's changed and that, yeah. you, that you feel comfortable sharing that with yeah. people. Yeah. Where you're going to ask. kind of a, a, a gritty, shameful glamour, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm a phone sex operator. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, also exciting. I need, I'm telling you this. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask anything. I Well, I was just going to recap something you said that was fascinating when before we started recording, which was you have some calls that they really enjoy being ignored, and so you don't even have to talk. You just... Oh, yeah. Like, that to me is, like, the ultimate. Getting paid to do nothing. Just is, have the phone on. Just to have the phone I mean, on is... There's a whole subset of people whose thrill comes from abuse and neglect, Sometimes it's very active abuse and neglect, and I find that a little scary because I have to wonder if they haven't experienced some horrible trauma that they haven't processed, and I, I try not to encourage that. But there are some people who just really like to sit around waiting for you to notice them, only for you to never notice them. <laughs> I had one caller who compared it to like being the family dog, you love the kid. You love the kid. You love the kid. You will do anything for that kid. And that kid doesn't even know you're alive. They never pet you. They never feed you. You know, they just don't see you. And for the people who find that, you know, thrilling, then that's what ignore lines are for. They will actually pay money to listen to you, not include them in whatever conversation that you're having. <laughs> Wow. So you said, and you said this on the um, before the call, like w when that happens, you just answer the call and then put the phone in your pocket and go around whatever oh, you're yeah, doing. Yeah, if it's the ignore line, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I have an, an automated recording that I'm going to be uploading in the next couple of days. That um, uh, when I'm not on, if people want to listen to a recorded message, uh, usually what those are is you know five to fifteen minute stories that people upload. And it's the same kind of thing. There's a permanent charge for folks who sit and listen to it. But what mine is going to be is it's going to open with a, hi, this is Reagan. Thanks for calling. I'll be right with you. And then elevator music. 
And probably after every, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds, I'll come in. Hey, thanks for holding. I'll be right with you. Elevator music. <laughs> and uh, at the very, very end of the recording, it says, uh, you've reached the end of this recording. Please hang up and dial again. And that's it. Yes. It just stops. <laughs> but the crazy part, like, people want to hear that. They will listen yeah. to that. So, yeah. fucking so that's providing the <laughs> In the same group, there are people who, who like, rip off. They want to be ripped off. They, yeah. they want to be gullible and taken advantage of and made a fool of. So, you know, you promise them something. You say, oh, if you give me money, I'll send you this hot, sexy picture. Right? Yeah. Right. And they give you money and you send them a picture of like a cheeseburger. Yeah. Right. You know? And of course they, they feel taken advantage of and ripped off. And that's what they were looking for. That's what they came to get. So those guys are fun, fun, fun. I love them. <laughs> you you uh, have blown our minds. <laughs> struck, struck gold, I'm afraid. I haven't even talked about the people who, uh, you know, like sci-fi and fantasy so much that uh, I have fantasies adapted from all of the major fandoms. <laughs> I do an amazing Borg assimilation. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm wowed. Yeah, so. I am too. Well done. That's amazing. And, and it's so and it sounds like it's a lot of fun for you too. Like, it is. And, and it's giving you... Um, I guess it's, it must feel rewarding because you're giving people, you know, sometimes you're the therapist, sometimes you're just entertainment, sometimes yeah. you can provide them with, you know, sexual mm -hmm. fantasy and, and yeah. you're able to do all of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. I mean, you know, it has downsides. Of course. And, but I console myself by saying, I can hang up if I don't want this guy's money. Yeah. Right. Right. But then I say, but I want his money, so I'm going to have to deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well. Are there any any parting words that you would like to leave the listeners with? Phone sex related or not is up to you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just want to encourage everyone out there to spend some time into thinking about who they are, really, and what they want, really. And then just building a life that brings that to them. Because you can do it. You can. You really can. You just have to be willing to accept as truth the things that you find out, even if they run in the face of what society tells you is right or wrong. There's right for you. There's wrong for you. And that's really all that should matter. Right. And yeah. Believe that you're worth the extra effort it takes to be a successful polyamorous or a successful kinkster, or a successful phone sex client, or or whatever, um, you know, find find the true you and and go for it. It's never the wrong idea. Yeah, no, that's a wonderfully said. I'd say. <laughs> awesome. And thank you for coming on and sharing everything with us. I think that a lot of people will get a lot out of this interview. At least I hope so. Oh well, I had a great time. Thank you for calling. Yeah. I, it's I've, great to be an evangelist for normalizing yeah. non-monogamy. Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! And, and this was our most expensive call yet. This was costing six ninety nine a minute. And I, 
Yeah, but, sorry about that, but I can't just drop my race because I like you, right? I, I understand. I understand. Can you put us on hold for about an hour? <laughs> Emma really gets off on it. So. I'll just make sure that you get the, the really awful elevator music loop. Exactly. Yeah. I'll to keep you company. Yeah. Oh my awesome. Gosh. Well, thank you again. I put my cat on the phone. <laughs> Just, just listen to it purr into the microphone. <laughs> well, it purrs if they're lucky. Right, yeah, or right. it just sits there and it's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no awesome. that's hilarious. Well, thank you again for everything, and, and uh, we, we look forward to doing it again sometime. Oh, thanks, Emma Finn. I really, really enjoyed it. Best of luck on your podcast. You're doing good work. Thank hey, you as are so you. Much. Thank you. Yes. And we'll look you up next time we're in Atlanta. Or oh. in, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're back. Yay. Some people probably thought that intro was never going to end. Huh? <laughs> it was a long intro this week, so we'll keep the outro very short. Thank you to Reagan. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you to Reagan. That was a good joke. Yeah. Okay. You're making this longer than I <laughs> we wanted it to be. It's just because my jokes are so good. Okay. Thank you to Reagan. We really appreciate you reaching out to us. We actually met uh, her at one of the conferences we went to this year. And so we are super pumped she wanted to come on the show. Yeah, it's an awesome story. We know you agree now. That you heard it. Yeah. yeah you've heard it. You agree with us. And um, next week, we've got Eliza and Scott. Not much else to say about that because, I mean, no spoilers. Nope, no spoilers. Did you fall asleep there for a second? No, I was just letting you talk. Anyway, <laughs> bye everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for Lies and Scott. Are you sure we should go or do you want to talk some? No, we should go. This has been a, a longer outro than planned after a long-ass intro. I'm a little offended. So now you're just going to be... I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs> bye everyone. <laughs>